Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. Today on St. Louis on the Air, we consider hemp, an agricultural product that some Americans see as the country's next big cash crop. Joining me in studio is author Jen Hobbs. She lives in O'Fallon, Missouri, and she's the author of American Hemp, How Growing Our Newest Cash Crop Can Improve Our Health, Clean Our Environment, and Slow Climate Change. You also co-wrote the 2016 book, Jesse Ventura's Marijuana Manifesto, How Lies, Corruption, and Propaganda Kept Cannabis Illegal. Jen Hobbs, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. Um, First off the bat, let's talk. Folks hear about hemp, marijuana, and cannabis. What are each of those and just how do they relate to each other? Sure. So uh, hemp and marijuana are both cannabis. But the easiest way to differentiate would be, I guess, considering uh, hemp and marijuana as cousins, so to speak. Um, Hemp has 0.3% THC, around that percentage, um, and more CBD, whereas marijuana is uh, higher THC content than CBD. And THC is the psycho active part of the plant. That's the part um, that's responsible for, you know, that feeling of euphoria, the high feeling you get when you uh, smoke or ingest marijuana. Um, And the two plants also have genetic distinctions. So um, scientists can tell the difference. Um, You know, they have different properties um, in the lab, so to speak, if you're trying to differentiate, you know, if someone has hemp or marijuana in their position. And they also grow very differently. Hemp is a taller plant. It looks similar to bamboo, uh, whereas marijuana is more of a bushy, leafy kind of tree look. And um, it's planted similar to the way people would plant um, an apple orchard if you're planting it outside. And so they do look similar? They do. They do. They have similar leaves, um, but the um, hemp leaf overall is usually uh, smaller, skinnier, than the marijuana leaf that's usually a fatter leaf. Okay, so for someone who may have seen a marijuana plant in one way or another, might be wondering how a plant that looks like that gets turned into some of the strongest rope around that we have, right, or, or a hat. Right. So uh, what exactly happens to the, to the hemp plant to be used for industrial purposes like that? So um, the, the two plants are different genetically, as I said earlier. Um, the marijuana plant is strictly used for um, that euphoric purpose, whereas the hemp plant has always been used for industrial purposes. The stalk of the plant actually um, has uh, these fibers in it that can be used for all different products from uh, paper to uh, rope, as you said, clothing. Uh, We're now using it for um, plastics and as a substitute for carbon fiber for uh, door inserts and things like that in cars. So the usable stuff is basically fiber in the stock, which you said is similar to bamboo. So I think we can kind of picture that. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously it's also used for food purposes. The seeds of the hemp plant can be, um, you can find those in the grocery store. Um, They have hemp protein powder, uh, hemp seeds that you you can get in the health food store. All right. Well, American Hemp was your first book as the sole author, mm-hmm. first book without Jesse Ventura's name in the title. Right. <laughs> so I imagine that that's a big moment for you. And you must have been late in the process last December, writing a book, arguing for the legalization of hemp when something really big happened in your field, right? What, what happened? Yes. So obviously very exciting. The 2018 Farm Bill passed with hemp legalization from, from the federal government. Um, and they they did that right in the middle of the government shutdown. <laughs> so it was pretty 
miraculous. <laughs> but um, Was that unexpected? For me, it honestly was. I was not anticipating that to happen because um, since the 2014 Farm Bill, they've been trying repeatedly to pass that exact le- legislation to take hemp off of the Scheduled One narcotic list and to place it as an agricultural commodity. Um, and every time a independent bill would be um, someone would sponsor it, it would die in a committee or it would get referred to the DEA or the FDA and it just wouldn't go anywhere. So I was under the assumption that this was going to be stricken from the bill at the last minute, some kind of a bargaining chip, something like that. And obviously, I was pleasantly surprised as an advocate, Mm, mm. but uh, I I definitely had to uh, take a look at the manuscript that I was just about to hand in. So you're just about to (laughs) hand it in. Yes, and just... Congress legalizes hemp, by the way. Right. (laughs) Uh, Did you have to revise, go and scramble to revise the book? Yeah, um, obviously I'd put more information in than I was anticipating um, at the time, and still now the the FDA hasn't really um, come out with any regulations for CBD, for instance, so there's still a lot of unanswered questions. Um, so, you know, I tried to make the book as uh, timely as possible, but obviously, um, you know, I had to hand it in at, at some point. <laughs> sure, sure. So at the end of December, that was it, you know. <laughs> so for the hemp industry, what's the significance of that change? So it's a huge change. Um, so just to give you some examples, um, if you're going to grow hemp, you know, if you're part of that industrial hemp pilot program, um, you weren't able to apply for crop insurance, which is something that farmers can apply for through the federal government. Um, you weren't able to set up a bank account, or credit card processing. Um, you couldn't apply for a loan, a business loan. Um, and, you know, there were, there were all these stipulations because you're dealing with a crop that is defined as an illegal substance by the federal government. So any federal agency that you would normally go to, like a bank, wouldn't deal with you. And the uh, marijuana industry obviously still faces that problem. Once um, the uh, once Congress decided to reclassify hemp as an agricultural product under the Department of Agriculture, that all immediately changed. So right now they're in the process of working out um, those guidelines for you know how how hemp is going to be grown state to state. But technically, yeah, you can apply for crop insurance. You can now go and you know open a bank account and um, operate as you would any other uh, commodity. Hmm. Well, pro-cannabis legalization advocacy is something that I think we're most familiar seeing coming from the grassroots on the left somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And you write in your book, Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader Republican, Mitch McConnell will go down in history as the man who brought back American hemp. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. How did that happen? So uh, he's been, on. I mean, a lot of different senators uh, have been obviously advocating for it for a long time. But um, for his particular state, uh, it's it's becoming a big agricultural commodity for, for Kentucky because um, they're not growing tobacco to the extent that they used to. It used, that used to be the cash crop for mm-hmm. Kentucky. Right now, they're doing soybeans, and um, you can't make nearly the amount off of soybeans as you can with CBD hemp. So for him, um, and you know, his state, the majority of farmers are small farmers. They're um, 
family farms. They're not these bigger um, commercialized farms that get all the USDA uh, loans and uh, subsidies. So um, it would really obviously help out his state in general um, to legalize it. So that was his main push. He uh, he was the one behind putting that legislation mm. into the Farm Bill. Well, especially in these last couple of years, it feels like cannabis makes for strange bedfellows, right? You've <laughs> got Mitch McConnell, uh, former Republican House Speaker John Boehner, right. was firmly anti-legalization of any form of cannabis for years. Mm-hmm. Last month, he gave a keynote address at the South by Southwest Festival advocating legalization. Right. What do you think changed for him or, or people like him? Um, well... I would I would love to say that something opened his eyes to it. You know, maybe someone in his family uh, benefited from you know medical marijuana, um, but you know he was put on a board for a uh, medical mar- for a uh, recreational marijuana company, and um, you know, that's kind of his job. Yeah. Um, you know, to kind of lobby for them. So um, I think that's a great strategy for them. Obviously, given his record, uh, to go to all of his you know, friends who are still in Congress and talk to them about it and try and change their perception, because that's what really has to change is this uh, perception and um, the stigma around it. Yeah. Uh, do we come across hemp day to day and maybe without realizing it? Um, you could technically. Uh, there's something known as ditch weed that I talk about in the book. Um, it's all well, processed hemp. For how, how oh, does it enter the yeah. market? So how, yeah, 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 it's it's in grocery stores. Um, you can get um, hemp clothing, uh, lotion, um, shampoo. It's becoming more and more prevalent now. Um, hemp as a nutritional product has probably been the um, something that more people are familiar with. Um, that's been something that's been in health food stores for years, and it's now becoming more of a mainstream thing in, in grocery stores. Um, and I think, you know, the average person probably runs into it more than they would know. Uh, we hear the most about hemp as a source for textiles, but it, can you build a house out of hemp somehow? This- yes, you can, actually. Um, I talk about, there's a chapter in the book that talks all about different ways to build with hemp. And hempcrete, which is a Product like concrete, concrete but yep. hempcrete. Right, right. Made out of uh, made out of hemp fibers. That's one of them. Um, and these products are, you know, obviously more eco friendly. Um, they sequester carbon, so um, that's another obviously great reason to use them. And um, one thing that I learned recently was that the EPA actually sponsored a uh, or funded a grant opportunity for the University of California to do a study and find um, cheaper, quicker, uh, more environmentally friendly ways to make hempcrete so that it can become more of a commercial product. Well, that all sounds great. But uh, some of the pro-hemp stuff out there really makes it sound like you're talking about a miracle plant. Right. Is there a danger of over-promising? Well, um, I don't think so. I mean, the the uh, applications for it are really vast. Um, there's a lot of research behind it. Um, but again, it's been illegal. And that's been the biggest drawback or the biggest obstacle to overcome to really use it in commercial applications. So we're going to have to see what comes of it. Obviously, at this point, we're not growing enough hemp to fulfill all of the um, possibilities. Uh, so it just depends on, you know, what this hemp ends up turning into. You know, do we go down the route where most of it becomes CBD? Do we look into, um, you know... Is, remind us what CBD is? So CBD is, um, 
a cannabinoid in the hemp plant and in the marijuana plant. It's um, a greater quantity in the hemp plant. And um, it is used for many uh, medical purposes. So um, the FDA actually just approved the first pharmaceutical drug, Epidolox, that has CBD in it. And uh, it's used for seizures, for very, very rare seizure conditions. Hmm. Jen, we do need to take a short break right now. We will be back in a moment to continue our conversation with Jen Hobbs. She's the author of American Hemp, How Growing Our Newest Cash Crop Can Improve Our Health, Clean Our Environment, and Slow Climate Change. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And welcome back. My guest is O'Fallon, Missouri resident Jen Hobbs. Her new book argues that there are many possibilities for the future of the American hemp industry. Jen, I'd, I'd love to know some more about you. So most of your, much of your career, you were a publicist in the entertainment world, right? How did you find yourself on the path toward hemp advocacy? <laughs> so I've always been fascinated by uh, our country's history with uh, cannabis and hemp in particular, um, just because of how conflicting it is. Uh, you know, for, from the 13 colonies to the foundation of our country, it's been, you know, the economic backbone. Um, and then obviously uh, that took a turn. And, um, I, you know, just that's just always been a personal interest of mine. But also um, as, as cannabis in general, my husband is a medical marijuana patient. Uh, we moved to California to get access, legal access for him. And we, we grew medical marijuana for a while out there. Um, and then uh, I worked with Jesse Ventura for a little over 10 years now, and um, he knew... How does that happen? For those aspiring to work with Jesse Ventura, <laughs> or just curious about your experience, how, how did you hook up? Sure. So um, I was the publicity director at his uh, the company that published his book, ah. um, Don't Start the Revolution Without Me. And um, I organized that tour for him, and then I worked with him on all his uh, subsequent books, and you know, get to really know someone in a 10 year span of time. And um, he was uh, considering writing a book about cannabis and we decided to work together on it. He has a pretty pronounced persona in public, right? He's very loud and has quite a presence. Is that what he's like sitting around uh, in private? Not really. He's uh, he's very talkative. He's very knowledgeable on a lot of different subjects. Um, he's he's a really interesting guy overall in general. Uh, just his viewpoints and the way that uh, he connects different ideas is really interesting. Did you pick up any moves, any wrestling moves or, or, <laughs> no, govern, or governoring I, tips? <laughs> well, um, some governing tip. I mean, you know, he talked about obviously his time in uh, in wrestling and um, being the governor of Minnesota. Um, but uh, he's just uh, he's so interesting to me because he's um, had so many different careers through the course of his life. Yeah. And it seems like cannabis has kind of become the family business for you, right? Um, your husband also has created a product in the right, field. Right. What, what's that? It's called Spaced Cowboy, and it is a patented uh, pre-rolled um, joint that has a, um, a beeswax tip. It's a hand-dipped organic beeswax, beeswax tip. And um, what that does is just makes the uh, smoking experience a lot better for the <laughs> for the group. <laughs> and you have more plans to sort of professionalize your interest in cannabis, right? What, what's coming up for you next? So uh, my husband's actually opening a uh, CBD store in Florissant. Um, it's going to be called uh, Norco um, for Northern County. 
and um, that'll be opening in May, uh, May 15th, I believe they're going to be opening if they're in the process right now. Um, so that's pretty exciting for us. Ten or so years ago, did you would you have foreseen your life going in this direction? Um, no, but I don't. I think that's true of many people. Sure, sure. Well, when when I've heard about the case for legal hemp really over over the decades, it always did feel to me like a substitute for a different conversation. That it's really about changing American attitudes towards marijuana. Is that part of the motivation for you in talking about hemp with people? Um, in some ways it is. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions just overall culturally about the differences between hemp and marijuana, but um, hemp can really stand on its own. It has a lot of benefits to it um, just just in and of that particular plant. But yeah, I mean, marijuana is uh, very similar in the fact that there's a lot of misconceptions there as well, you know, uh, for it to be labeled a Schedule One narcotic, which is the same definition as heroin, is pretty astounding mm-hmm. when it's not an addictive sub- substance at all. Um, in the event that recreational marijuana were to be legalized universally in this country, how would that affect a, a, a CBD business like your own? Um, it all depends on how it's regulated. You know, it depends yeah. on what the laws are um, surrounding that. Because, you know, if we look at legalization as a whole, even though hemp, for instance, has been taken off the schedule of narcotic list, it's now an ag- agricultural crop, it's not like I can go down as a person to Home Depot and pick up a pack of tomato seeds and a pack of hemp seeds and grow them in my backyard. I still need to go and get a permit, and that you know costs a certain amount of money. It goes through a whole approval process to grow it. So, um, and the same goes with you know obviously marijuana. If it would become legal, I'm assuming it would not be um, something that the average person can just go and do. You know, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah, it just obviously just depends on the parameters. That... Yeah, I'd love to get to the to the last part of the subtitle of your book. Sure. How, how does all this factor into climate change? Sure, sure. So um, that's actually a big portion of the book that I dedicate to um, all the different environmental toxins that we have, um, just in general from lead uh, to environmental pollution uh, from uh, major industries. And um, hemp has a lot of unique abilities, one of which is called photoremediation. And um, what that does is it actually absorbs toxins from the soil or from the water. Uh, So just by growing it, it can really alleviate a lot of areas that are ridden with all sorts of uh, contaminants. Um, So that in and of itself is pretty pretty astounding when you think about how expensive it is to try and clean an area that's been uh, like a Superfund site, for example. And um, it also um, sequesters carbon much faster than other plants. Actually, it it sequesters carbon faster than any other agricultural crop. So while it's growing, it's actually making a huge impact in that capacity. Um, And then, you know, also when you make these products out of hemp, you're using less chemicals. And uh, that in in and of itself obviously makes a difference and... um, uh, it, it can change industry as we know it with the uh, the type of carbon footprint certain industries mm. have. Well, looking looking ahead, in addition to that big change with the Farm Bill mm-hmm. back in December, it seems like we're hearing about proposed changes or actual changes to all these regulations all the time. What's happening right now in Missouri and Illinois? Sure. So in uh, Missouri right now, we have a uh, House bill 
824 that uh, was referred to the Senate um, just earlier this month on April 9th. And um, that's going to be the bill to put Missouri law in, in compliance with the 2018 Farm Bill. So um, that seems to be on track to uh, be passed on time. And then um, uh, what uh, the plan is, is to have people apply, um, get their applications in, uh, go through the approval process, and then by October, uh, hopefully October, November, we should see people that are set up and ready to go. Um, and then for Illinois, um, I know that there's been a lot of back and forth for them because um, the the farmers were not too pleased with the cost associated with growing hemp. Um, they had the licenses um, set for $1,000 for the license itself and a $100 application fee, and they you know they were um, they were concerned about that. It seemed pretty high compared to other uh, other states. So um, they're planning to try and get hemp in the ground by the summer, which seems to be um, a bit optimistic. But you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if that, that, that occurs. Well, to put this all in context, this is the, these latest changes in law are, are the latest wrinkles in a, in a long relationship between the federal government and, and hemp. And just to look at all this in context, you talk about going back Advocates of hemp love to talk about how George Washington grew it and left some notes about how to best cultivate it. You wrote in the book, you called it the crop that essentially founded the American colonies. Is, <laughs> is that overstating things? Well, it was a primary crop uh, that was grown here. Um, you could pay your taxes to the British government with it. Um, and um, it was it was a big part of our economy, even as a country in its early, uh, its early start. Um, yeah. Uh, Washington grew it all, at all five of his farms. All of the founding fathers grew it or were involved in it in some way. Um, and uh, it, was a, it was a big part of the economy back then. Um, when you think about the British Royal Navy and the amount of hemp that was used for the uniforms and the sails for well, the ships. I, I, hear, I read a lot about cotton and spices and searching for gold. I, I don't see hemp come up a lot in the American history books over it. Oh, well, that's, um, it's a, I guess it's not a well-known part of our history, but it's definitely there. Um, and uh, it's, it, it was primarily a reason why the British decided to colonize. You know, they were looking for more land to grow hemp for themselves so that they didn't have to pay for it. Um, that, you know, obviously England is a small island country. There's only so much land that you can, you know, use for growing hemp when you're looking to uh, feed the country. So um, in our case, that was one of their reasonings behind, behind colonizing. We have about a minute or two left, Jen. The last thing is where do you where do you see hemp going in the United States? What's it, what's in the future for? for well, hemp? Um, it's kind of hard to say, um, but the way that I look at it is, it's um, it could be like the internet. You know, we didn't really know what the internet uh, was capable of turning into when you first got your first home computer and you had dial-up speed, and you know now it's obviously grown way past uh, Silicon Valley into every aspect of our lives. Will we um, have hemp-powered computers? Is that, is that in the cards? <laughs> I, I talk about supercapacitors in the book that are that can be made out of hemp, so it's it's possible. So you you I said that as a joke. We might have hemp in computers. It's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Jen Hobbs, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. Her new book is titled American Hemp, 
how growing our newest cash crop can improve our health, clean our environment, and slow climate change. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeremy Goodwin.